Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio, a co-production of EWTN Radio and SpiritualDirection.com, where we provide you with a spiritual haven of rest and explore the riches of the wisdom of the saints and the path to union with God. This is Dan and Stephanie Burke. Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio, your radio haven of rest. Your hermitage of the heart. Your monastery of the mind where we lift our hearts and minds to heaven to draw on the wisdom of the saints to help us to navigate this challenging life. We're back uh, talking on a series from the very important work just now published by Sophia Institute Press, Visions and Revelations. Uh, by Father Gabriel of St. Mary Magdalene, and our guest today is Father Matthew McDonald, who wrote the foreword to the book, and he did his, uh, was it a master, I, I asked you this before, but a master's thesis on on this topic, was that what you did, Father? Yeah, so when I was ordained from uh, for the Archdiocese of New York as a priest in 2014, and I went to St. Joseph's Seminary, Dunwoody in Yonkers, New York, and I wrote my MA thesis on the principles of discerning proper relation according to scripture, the teachings of the Magisterium, and the teachings of the Carmelite School of Spirituality. So this book by Father Gabriel was a key resource for the third chapter of that thesis. Awesome. Well, we're continuing in the series, and what we're talking about today is diabolical um, influence in visions and revelations. So how do we understand whether or not it's authentic is the fundamental question, because if it's authentic, what do we do? We, we pay heed. If it's not, then we ignore it. That's And there's a lot of that, a lot of visions and revelations and things going on today, which always happens in the most difficult times in the church, both for the authentic, for the help of the people of God and the counterfeit, which is the enemy trying, trying to thwart that exact effort by God. So today we're going to talk about, you know, foundationally, what the devil can do and can't do. Well, if we don't get through it, we'll do another show on that. But it's, you know, <laughs> I don't want to call out the specific person, but a person, very high-ranking person recently in the church said that the devil is a psychological construct. Um, and uh, if that's the case, that's uh, he's speaking something that's contrary uh, to church teaching and to what Jesus taught. But it's de fide that devils exist. What are your thoughts on that? I think the devil, it's important that we don't give too much authority to the devil, but we also realize his influence. There's a saying that one exorcist said, you know, the devil isn't under every rock, he's under every other rock. And sometimes he'll utilize, you know, psychological phenomenon, spiritual phenomenon, a little bit of both. So, it's important to identify his influence, which can be very subtle in various ways, whether it's through normal spiritual warfare, like the discernment of spirits, or through extraordinary phenomenon. Yeah, so let, let's talk a little bit about this this influence that they can have, right? So um, what, what, what do we know about God's permission, permissive will in these things? Because you know, the argument is, well, if God were good, he wouldn't allow the devil to bother us or, you know, why is this happening to me? I must be a sinful person or what? Because there's all kinds of nuance in here of why this can happen. So what is it about God's permission given to the dia to the diabolic influence on people? And, and how does that work? God's permission... <clears throat> 
can allow the devil to have a particular influence over men and women, <clears throat> even to the extent of invading and tormenting them in a bodily manner. And this is not because God is a sadist. Um, this is not something that God positively wills. But when we're under demonic influence, it's always, and, and we're suffering, whether it's through desolation, through oppression or possession, it's something that God allows not only for our sanctification, but for the sanctification of the church and the world. He never positively, directly wills it, but he can use an evil to bring about a good, to, in, to bring about a good end. Yeah, so it reminds me of Romans 8, 28. God works all things together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And I've actually seen this. We've seen this being involved in exorcism, uh, the rite of exorcism, where the person like uh, Stephanie and I, the priest, the helpers, the person who was afflicted, who eventually uh, got free in the one case I'm thinking about, all of us were drawn more deeply to God through the experience, even though it was very painful. And the person who was suffering, sometimes the people who suffer do things to bring it upon themselves. And so it's allowed in that sense. God never wills evil, of course, but as you said, he allows it. But in the case, in all cases, to those who turn to God, good will come of it. Is that a good summary or am I overstating? I think that's a great summary. I think also another important principle that other people have stated before that we keep in mind is also the devil does not have his own clay. So the devil is not equal to God. When we say that we fall into the heresy of dualism, the devil is a fallen angel. And what he does is he perverts the good. He distorts the good. He, he is not equal to God. He can only try to distort his creation. Yeah, and you're 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 referencing a scripture pass a few scripture passages there. I think we should bring out. You said the devil doesn't have his own clay. You know, I, I'm reminded of the passage where it says that I am the potter, you are the clay, and we we of course have that in Romans nine, and I think also in the Old Testament. Meaning the devil doesn't can't create anything; he can only distort. Um, is that accurate, or is there another way of saying that? Yes, no, that's 100% accurate. All right. So moving on, thinking about the assaults of the devil and what's permissive, what, what happens out of the permissive will of God, um, can, let me think of how I want to say this. Okay, so the enemy, so angels, <laughs> let me go back, angels, just angels, all angels have a particular mission especially guardian angels and, you know, to help us get to heaven. They help us in that mission, right? And what I have found fascinating, maybe you can expound on it, according to this influence thing, is that God makes, he works so through his permissive will, through fallen angels, to still bring about the greater good that he had planned originally. Yes, he definitely does. And, and again, we see that liturg liturgically and we hear that every year in relation to Adam's sin and the exalted. Oh, happy fault or necessary sin of Adam that brought forth so great a savior. So even though we may be suffering a grave evil or injustice from the demonic, God can utilize that in hidden ways for our own sanctification, could, call, could, could lead us to a healing through suffering and can also lead others to a healing, as you alluded to earlier. 
or a deeper conversion. So the only way that can be hindered is if we refuse to follow God, right? If we refuse to, through the power of our own will, our human will, make the decision to follow God. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So the the next point then is about freedom of the will. And this can be difficult to understand, but I think it can be encouraging for people. Um, the freedom of the will, uh, according to church teaching, all the will always remains free, but there are degrees of freedom, if you will. Um, but my, my first question is, is that true with full possession? Um, because in my experience, it doesn't seem to be true. I understand the role of the exorcist and the right to beat up the demon in essence, to, to have them release their power over the victim, and then the victim chooses. I mean, most of uh, the liberation in exorcism, the majority of it comes through the victim exercising their will. But uh, so I guess it's not, I'm answering my own question, but you can validate it. The, the will is always capable in some way of resisting the enemy and fighting back, even if fully possessed. Yes. Even if the devil has possession over your body, again, like you said, he can never have possession over your will. He can tempt you to allow an individual to, to have possession over his will freely. Right. That's on, that, but we allow that permission. Yeah, and I guess the suffering I've seen in exorcism is it can be pretty severe, which makes it appear the person doesn't have a will because they're suffering so much that, you know. But uh, what I've said to even a, a victim in exorcism is um, uh, the right works 100% of the time as long as you stay in the fight, right? The right always works through the history of the church. The right has never failed unless the person gives up. And, and that, which is a glorious truth. Right. And that freedom is through, not around. Through so, the suffering. Through the suffering, through the right, through the process. You can't skirt it. You can't get around it because once, you know, once a, a soul is possessed through fault of their own or exposure to, you know, however that comes, right? They have to go through the process. And um, I think it's part of that, that, you know, the, the Lord being glorified in the power of his church, in the sacrament, sacramentals of his church. And with respect to visions and revelations, kind of bring it back to the topic. Mm -hmm. if, a if a demon is inspiring a vision or revelation, the person always has the culpability and the ability to exit out of that influence, which is the point I think we're trying to make ultimately, but I just, I was very encouraged by that idea and wanted to reflect on it. So, the good angels and devils can intrinsically act upon the imagination and other internal and external senses because these are all organic powers and the devil has uh, the power to exercise his influence through anything material. And this comes from Thomas's St. Thomas's uh, Summa. Talk a little bit about that reality, Father. So good angels and demons can influence our internal and external senses by suggesting things, mm -hmm. by putting things in front of us that could distract us or, you know, attempt to hinder our freedom, but we have to allow it to hinder our freedom. 
Um, and, um, and obviously the angels, they can influence us along the way of consolation and reception to grace. Whereas the devil, particularly in the cases of visions or revelations, he may pervert something that makes something into a vision or mm. a locution, but it ultimately can be a distraction from receiving grace or from my primary you know, responsibilities or state in life. It's important that sometimes we, when we get certain things, and this is why, again, the church takes so much time to discern these things on the scale of larger apparitions or when we get things in prayer on retreat or before a holy hour, we don't merely jump and, and assume you know, either way, we, we test it and we discern it over a period of time. All right, good. So when we get back from the break, we're going to talk about whether or not demons can work through miracles, which can come through those who have apparitions and, or see apparitions and visions or whatever. Uh, so we'll talk, we'll talk about that after the break. We'll be right back. Hi, friends. We want to personally invite you to check out all of our upcoming retreats here at Avila. Head over to spiritualdirection.com forward slash events or click on the events tab on the top of spiritualdirection.com and sign up now for one of our powerful mini retreats, setting the captives free or into the deep or divine intimacy and marriage. Now with both live and online options, our mini retreats can be live streamed right into your living room or parish meeting room. Discover why these events sell out time and time again. That's spiritualdirection.com forward slash events register today. There is a growing need for well-formed, solid spiritual directors in the church today. The Avila Institute, in collaboration with Heart of Christ Spiritual Direction Program, offers a certificate in spiritual direction for those who feel called to accompany others in their journey towards God. The program is grounded in Ignatian and Carmelite spirituality based on a Catholic worldview and draws on the wisdom of the saints with an emphasis on biblical principles in the new evangelization. This program offers both online and on-site classes Discover more and apply today at avala-institute.org. Welcome back to Divine Intimacy Radio. This is Dan and Stephanie Burke, and we're with Father Matthew McDonald. We're talking about a very important subject, um, Visions and Revelations, a new book uh, published by Sophia Institute Press. Uh, its uh, author is Father Gabriel of St. Mary Magdalene, a very famous uh, rector of the Theresianum in Rome. And Father wrote the foreword to the book and, and, and his master's thesis on the topic. So we're running through just an overview of how it is that the demonic works or can work or can't work through visions and revelations to falsify them. So you, you alluded before the break, Father, to the idea that the devil has no clay. How, if, if a vision and revelation or revelation occurs and it's accompanied by a miracle, I mean, how, what can the devil do to create a miracle? Can the devil create a miracle, which I think we've, we've stated he can't, but he can certainly manufacture them. We, we saw this with Moses in the Old Testament mm -hmm. and the, the sorcerers imitating some of the things that Moses did. But talk, talk a bit about what the enemy has at, in his power to deceive us with respect to miracles or false miracles. So... On a metaphysical level, angels and devils who are fallen angels are higher beings than um, human beings, uh, human persons, because they're purely spiritual beings. So they 
their intellects perceive things in a different way than we are. They're not the same as God. They are not equivalent to God. So um, they can know, they can have certain details about human life, what we're suffering through. And since angelic powers um, surpass human powers, they can perform prodigious feats which arouse our admiration so far as they exceed the power of knowledge of human beings. So, you know, I guess part of their power then, because I, years ago I read a book, um, it's a beautiful side of evil about an evangelical woman who was involved in kind of new age spirituality and how she experienced healings and things like that which she thought were true. Uh, and I can't remember what her conclusions were about it. And the book's been like 20 years ago. But I do remember that there was some discussion about the enemy's ability to falsify and sort of sleight of hand of the, of the person attempting to gain an audience or crowd um, to be. Um, but I, I think what can happen, it seems to me, is because the enemy can suggest things and can create and I've even experienced this in relationship to, uh, and Stephanie has too, in relationship to being involved with exorcism, can create a kind of illusor, a state of illusion or, or a hazy state on the person somehow messing with our minds that can make us more believe in something if we were purely intellectually sober, we might not ever believe. Am I going out of bounds or is that, does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. That's a hundred percent, you know, sensible what you said and, and through one's own experience, whether you're in exorcism industry or not, when you're going through traumatic events, the evil one can just bombard you with random thoughts, as, he, as you've mentioned in many of your books, you know, reflecting on St. Teresa of Avila and St. Um, Ignatius Loyola. And you just, you can't sift through reality because you're just buying into the lies that he suggests to you. So the oh, go ahead, Steph. No, I'm just I'm just really thinking about the devils cannot work through miracles. So I keep thinking about I think it's in Haiti that a lot of organizations are going over to and Christian organizations and they're seeing a lot of what would be termed miracles, healings, people's you know a, a, a you know a crippled foot that's being. Uh, healed and ex uh, a leg that's shorter than the other being extended, you know, all these kind of things. How, how are we to look at those things? Are we, are we to assume that through the faith of the people that this is, that these are true, that they are of God? Um, we know that the enemy can be laced through these things and have effects and maybe through pride or whatever. Like, well, how do we look at those things that are happening? How are we to take them? So with slow, you know, analysis, um, with something that, you know, is mentioned in the back of the book with limitations, what things that the devils can't do, one of the things that he can't do is instant, instantaneously cure wounds, fractions, legions, or other injuries. This is only something that God can do. So okay. in that case there needs to be some sort of scientific analysis to, to assure that this is actually beyond a sci scientific explanation what this happened, you know, such as a fractured foot 
all of a sudden miraculously coming together. So can the devil, for instance, make someone blind uh, somehow? And then if the bad, the bad visionary who's, who's trying to bring credibility to their visions in, in quotes, heal them, but it's not truly a healing, but all they've done is remove the diabolic influence that caused the blindness. Yes, the devil can very much do that. And there have been cases, none come to mind right now, but there are definitely throughout the history of the church, Father Gary Lagrange, Antonio Roma Marine attests to that fact. But they can't, so if a bone, is, a different example is, if a bone is broken, that's beyond, you know, they cannot put that bone back together. But as you noted, mm-hmm. there'd have to be um, some investigation to determine. Sure, but and but even in what you were discussing, so what what you would be talking about is then oppression of some sort of diabolical oppression on someone that has caused the ailment right and through prayer the person is delivered it's it's released and they can see right so that that is of god the illness is of 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 some sort of diabolical well there's two scenarios the one you described is exactly right if it's like you praying over someone who's blind, but it was caused by demonic influence. That would be of God that they became free. But a visionary, in quotes, who was attempting to manipulate an audience as to their veracity could be in cooperation with a demon, set the person free as well. And that's that's what uh, um, Father mentioned were has been noted in certain cases. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. Let's talk about prophetic predictions, because this this one can be tough to discern, because this the extraordinary um, intellect of a demon or uh, an angel, a demon uh, cannot tell the future, but they they have greater predictive powers than any human strategist that's ever lived. Is that a is that a good way to think about it? How does that all work? Yes, because of their angelic intellects, they can perceive certain things that we don't because their intellects exist. They're beings that exist outside of space and time that come into time. Mm -hmm. Whereas we as human persons are embodied spirits and we exist in time. So they can perceive more than we do, but they can't perceive in the same way as God does. So they can understand certain aspects of our past, certain present struggles, wounds, sins, addictions, and ways that we may be numb to in the moment. So then uh, what, so what they can do as an example is they can, they can have plans to manipulate a certain situation. Now they don't have absolute authority to do whatever they want to do, but they can set up scenarios where, it appears that the, prof, the, the the prophetic reality of a vision or a revelation that isn't true is true because something comes true in the future that mm-hmm. they have manipulated, but they have no ability to see into the future. Yeah, they have no ability to see into the future, nor do they have any ability to see into the secrets of a person's mind and heart. Um, but they can conjecture much more easily and know our temperament, our character, um, as well as certain circumstances from our past and present, and they could derive things from that. Yeah, I, one of the discussions I've had with directees is that 
you know, as, as the enemy's watching us, um, he studies us. He knows what our triggers are. Body language is, I mean, body language is like 90% of communication. I don't know what the scientific thing is, but knows what we lean towards, what we, what draws our attention, what we linger too long on, you know, those kind of things. And so can work through that in order to manipulate environment or situations or influence something in order to try to tempt us to sin. Is that, but, but he can't read our heart and our mind, but he can read our body language and, and just by deduction, look at our actions and say, oh, oh, she's leaning towards X, Y, Z. Therefore, I'm going to make it happen more often until she falls. Right. That's why we can say, why is this stinking temptation keep happening to me? And it's because there's something that we're being called to, which is to rise above it to a particular virtue. But then we also have to be very, very concerned of, oh, you know, I'm being called to a higher virtue, but I need to be purified of whatever that is in me that's, you know, allowing this to come up because it's obviously something that's got to be taken away. Yes, absolutely. And that's that it's so important that when we are undergoing trial, it doesn't matter how many times we fall, but that we, that we pick ourselves up through prayer and take advantage of the sacrament of confession when, when we do struggle with temptation. So this is one show of a, of a series of fascinating shows with Father McDonald on visions and revelations, the demonic and what, what's real and what's false. And it's been inspired by, the series has been inspired by a new book uh, published by Sophia Institute Press called Visions and Revelations but by Father Gabriel of St. Mary Magdalene. A lot of what we're talking about, how much of this that we're covering is in the appendix of the book, Father? I forgot. Most of this is in the second appendix. Great. So it is a really, it's probably, I think it's the best resource in print on this topic. Would you agree with that? I definitely think it is, you know, and, um, one strength of the book is it really shows how the individual should approach these things as well as the spiritual directors, you know, when somebody comes to them saying, I'm experiencing this in prayer. So head out to spiritualdirection.com forward slash shop to pick up the book or EWTN's religious catalog or wherever you buy your books, but do buy it, do read it. We're grateful you've been with us and thanks for being with us, Father McDonald. We'll continue this series next time talking about demonic falsifications and if you uh, are on the live stream and you want to pop out to Spirit of Facebook, spiritualdirection.com or, or uh, YouTube, we'll do one more show on this topic and we'll see you then. So until next time, may the God of peace make you perfect in holiness. May he preserve you whole and entire spirit, soul, and body, irreproachable at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Learn more about the interior life. Visit spiritualdirection.com. Divine Intimacy Radio is a co-production of EWTN Radio and spiritualdirection.com and heard worldwide on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.